everybody, and welcome to the second episode of the Off the Pitch podcast powered by Brands United. I am your host, Marissa, and I am super excited to introduce today's special guest of our second episode of this series, the newest member of the Brands United team, our technical director, Jordan Brown. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. You have an extensive resume of experience in the soccer industry, and I'm super excited to have a conversation with you regarding coaching, your philosophy, and just, you know, your past in the soccer industry and, and the future for Brands United. Perfect. Sounds good. So I guess to open up the conversation, um, I kind of want to talk about your coaching philosophy and the ideas um, that you carry uh, in the past as a player, also in you know your present role as a coach, and now your future position as a TD, and I guess your present position now as your TD with Brands, and just any any sort of philosophy that you carry, that you experienced, that helped you, uh, you know, as a player, and then ex also in turn a coach. Yeah, I think um, in terms of coaching philosophy, I think it's uh, it's quite a broad broad thing. Uh, you can you can delve into lots of layers of it. Um, I guess generally overall, if I was going to summarize it quite quickly, I would say it's uh, it's kind of a development first um, positional possession based philosophy. Um, so to kind of break that down uh, for me. You know, players, as they progress, are going to get better. The more they're on the ball and the more they're in game situations, they'll understand the game better. Um, and they need to be coached through these um, scenarios that they're going to experience in the game. So training's got to mirror the game uh, as much as possible for me. Um, so it's my, my personal coaching style is a lot of game-based uh, stuff, coaching within the game. Um, and I say in, in terms of a positional, possessional style, um, that's going to allow players to get on the ball more. It's going to put them under under pressure, put them in tight situations, which is going to expose kind of flaws in the technique potentially, but also uh, discover ways they can escape certain situations and solve problems. Um, so we're we're always trying to link technical skill to decision making. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of blasting them with hundreds of different technical skills that are maybe not relevant or maybe they can't do. Um, I'd rather put them in a situation where they can explore what technical skills they do have and see what works for them. Um, you know, that's going to come with an element of mistakes. Um, you know, you we're going to turn the ball over and concede every now and again. But I think it's a it's a key learning thing for kids that are, you know, looking to progress and get better. I think the game in general is changing and trending towards more um, possessional uh, game understanding. I think it's an area that generally in Canada we can improve on as coaches is giving more um, tactical understanding and game understanding to players. I think technically... We're pretty good up to a certain point. I think physically, um, we're pretty good up to a certain point. Uh, I think it's that tactical piece that we miss. So, my philosophy is try to, you know, embrace that and add that. Um, and I think it, it takes a little bit of time, but if coaches stick with it, um, you can you can really see the impacts on the players. Uh, you can see good progress, um, and I say it allows them to gain an advantage in terms of their their understanding of. Uh, positions, pressure, space, that kind of thing. Um, so even a player with maybe slightly less technical skills is able to execute better in a game because they have an awareness and understanding of what's going on around them, where maybe a player that has higher technical skills but doesn't have the awareness and understanding can't use the skills effectively and uh, can sometimes get, get lost in a game. I think that's where maybe you see players that can do loads of tricks and loads of skills, maybe not necessarily show themselves in a game. Maybe they don't have the understanding of how to use those th in the best way. They've got 100 different tools but they have one job to do and they can't pick which tool to use. Whereas, you know, if we, if we focus maybe a little bit more on the tactical side, uh, certainly as the kids are progressing, um, they can start to select which technique is best and they don't need a hundred different tools to, to solve the problem. So it's kind of a 
a long-winded answer, no, but hopefully great, it makes though. sense. I think it I think it ties in a lot of aspects. You know, we're focusing on tactical, but we also bring in the mental, like the psychological mm-hmm. of it. And, and in turn, players are, are becoming more of a, you have a responsive reaction mm-hmm. rather than just a reaction. Yeah. Um, and they can respond and, and, like you said, perform in the ways that they you know, can take take what they learn and, and what's the best best way to kind of approach a situation. Yeah. Or and it's not to say that ta- uh, technical is something that I wouldn't focus on and never focus on. It's just always technical is always linked to tactical. There's yeah. always a reason for doing something. So we, we, won't, we don't just do a step over to go around a cone. You know, yeah. we, we don't just play a pass this way or do it like this because that's how we practiced it. It's for a reason. Um, and then you're, you're applying and linking that technical skill to the decision making. So when the players get into that scenario in a game, hopefully they understand that, you know, this is what we worked on in training. This is how I would apply it to a game. It's not trying to go from one thing that kind of looks maybe like the game to then something that is, and there's a defender coming in order. What do I do now? Um, so I say there's there's definitely technical focus. It's not it's not a disregard of technique, um, but it's more linked to to the game, to decision-making, you're trying to combine all the f- elements together yeah, uh, rather than break them and split them up, try and put them all together. Yeah, and so that ultimately will result in the best performance, right? You can't just Hopefully, pick yeah. one one corner of the game or one corner of the game model. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess we talked about, obviously, the development of players, and mm-hmm. um, I guess the next kind of leading situation is also development of maybe our coaches or our staff. Um, you know, as a staff at Brams, I'm always learning. I'm learning from my, my colleagues and my peers. Uh, and I guess, do you have any ideas or, you know, any any plans in terms of the development of our players and our staff, but more so, you know, the staff, how can we develop them so that it also reflects on our players? Yeah, I think um, I think conversation and, and, you know, talking with coaches is the best way to do it. Um, you know, I've, I've taken a few licenses and I, I enjoy going on courses and speaking to coaches, but the the greatest learning opportunity is when you actually talk to these these coaches that got different experiences and different ideas and you try things and you work things through um so i'm not i'm not the kind of guy to say marissa you have to coach like this and that's it it's a case of okay well how do you see it what do you think works this is my experience this is my expertise and this is maybe what i would suggest we look at um so i think it will be will be a lot of conversation based i imagine as we've all been kind of doing during the pandemic, it'll be some Zoom, some Zoom sessions, get online, um, present some ideas, some discussion points, some talking opportunities. Um, I'm big on video, so I've clipped, taken video of teams that I've coached and worked with in the past, and um, not pro teams, but like high-level youth teams on the female side as well that we can take ideas from and learn from and speak about how did they do this, how did they get to this point, um, and I think that will hopefully... You know, it'll drive some conversation. It'll it'll drive some thoughts uh, about how you know maybe the coaches are going about things that they're doing, and maybe try and change things um, to to move towards kind of what I see as uh, you know the best way to develop players and to move players uh, as high up as possible uh, in their pathway in their soccer careers. So uh, we'll definitely be doing some stuff. I'm hoping to get on the field with them as well, uh, starting next week, and work like kind of directly with them. Um, but yeah, we'll definitely be doing some some online education and some you know some coach meetings, some coach education workshops. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I guess the, 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 the well, something that I always think about is, you know, the coaches develop the players, but who develops the coaches? Yeah, exactly. So um, that's that's an important kind of topic or I guess piece that uh, of development that we need to focus on and, mm-hmm. and not only the players, but, um, you know, and and I guess kind of to tie into that, then 
uh, obviously, you know, clubs that you worked in in the past, they've been boys and girls. Mm -hmm. Brams United is a female only club. And I think that also changes a lot of approach that you take to any sort of part of the club and Mm -hmm. whether that's the technical, the operational, you know, it's a female club. It's, Mm -hmm. you know, a niche market. It's a boutique, as you would call it. Um, And I guess my question is more so what, um, you know, with surrounding the female game, like Mm -hmm. what what were your kind of first initial thoughts on development and also um, you know, how does this tie into your philosophy and, and your game model for the club and for our players? Yeah, yeah I think um, first and foremost, I've found that the, there's there's obviously differences between uh, male and female players, uh, obviously at every stage of the development. Um, I, th- I would think if we were going to generalise, I would say in my experience that the female players are much more maybe open and receptive to learning things. They're almost desperate to show that they listen and they want to do things. Sometimes boys are a little bit they want to be a bit brasher. They want to say, you know, I already know that or I can do that or I know better. Um, so you sometimes get a little bit of a front uh, that you have to try and break down. Um, but I say, I think the female players are very receptive to, to learning new ideas and they'll they'll trust you more, um, especially when they see some success with it. Um, just thinking of teams I've coached and players I've coached, you know, asking them to get on the ball in, in tight situations or make a pass that's quite tricky. Um, once they experience it and they pull it off, they they you know they run with it and they're they're pretty they're pretty confident going forward with it so it's uh i think that's uh is a is a big positive um i think it'll it'll tie in well with the with the coaching piece as well i think if we can develop strong players that have a good understanding of how we want to play uh, and maybe like a playing style those players will be better ad- adapted down the line in the future to coach the next generation of players um so i think once uh excuse me once the older players of uh got a grasp for what we're trying to do, uh, how we want to play, how we want to develop um, some of the tactical pieces. Uh, I'm hoping those sorts of players will feed back into the club and, you know, take up coaching and pass that knowledge down. Um, and then we just have like a repeated cycle where the players understand what they're doing earlier. Um, they have the experience of the players that have done it. They know how to educate and put that across. Um, you know, there's a, there's a good link then through the club. And then obviously we keep cycling through with coaches that know what they're doing and the, the female coaches that can say, hey, I've been where you've been and I know you know, where you're at in terms of your development because I was there um, and this is where we want to go. Um, you know, I've played at this university and maybe that's where you want to go or I've gone and done this. And, you know, the, the, the younger players can see those role models in the, on the coaching field more often. So that's, that's going to be a big piece as well is trying to get some uh, female leaders on the field with the players. Um, obviously down the line, that'll be ex-players hopefully um, and then obviously more in the short term if we can we can get some good female coaches in as well I think that will help so yeah I think that's a great idea I think the idea of mentorship and mm-hmm. and you know f- female mentorship if they have uh, you know younger players looking up to older players um, or you know previous players alumni anything like that mm-hmm. that's already you're, you're putting them in a position where they're comfortable in the field and then they can get comfortable with the idea of uh, of, of the kind of style that they'd approach with with coaching and learning and development mm-hmm. and stuff like that so um, I think, yeah, female, the female game is, you know, it's changing. We saw it last year with the Women's World Cup. Mm-hmm. It's becoming more of a topic of conversation in female sports. So I think that, you know, that idea and implementing it throughout, you know, the philosophy and the game model that you have is mm-hmm. already going to start breaking down some barriers and breaking, yeah. breaking down some fences that, um, you know, a lot of female players and female athletes in general uh, carry and, and face and stuff yeah. like that. So, um, 
you know, and I guess we're, you're coming in, we're, we're putting you on the spot here, but, you know, this is your first week coming into Brams United. Um, right off the bat, you know, what are your some ideas for the club? What, what's, what's been in discussion? And I guess, you know, right when you come through those doors, what's going to be, what's going to be the first, uh, you know, busting down the door? This is what's going on. Yeah, I think first and foremost is going to be getting out on the field and getting in front of the, the parents and the players and the coaches. Um, so I'm hoping to be very visible uh, at, at practices. Obviously, there's no games at the minute, but um, you know, in the recreational side as well, um, getting in front of people, getting feedback from coaches, what things have worked in the past, what things don't work, uh, and it being very much like a collaborative effort. I say I've got my ideas, but I'm not a dictatorial person that's going to come in and say, "Okay, well, you have to change that," or you know, "This is it," kind of thing. Um, you know, I'll, I'll take a few weeks to to get in and see what everyone's about. Uh, and I say I think getting on the field with the coaches will help uh, make kind of some immediate changes like small tweaks um just bits of advice and ideas that we can give immediately to say hey if you tried this or like what you did there but maybe if you tweak it this way or why are we doing this or why did you pick this um just get the ball rolling in terms of making them feel comfortable with me that we can discuss things uh and and talk over ideas i think there's always a bit of uh skepticism or nervous energy when somebody new comes in you you maybe want to impress or you maybe want to get on the defensive and try and you know back yourself and say I know what I'm doing and yeah, don't, you don't need to worry about me yeah. kind of thing um, but I say I wouldn't want anyone to feel like that uh, I'd want them to be to be open and you know ask questions and you know work definitely work together um, I think coaching is one of those things where you, you never you're never done in terms of your knowledge you may have all the licenses but you can always learn something the game changes every year um, so I think especially in terms of developing developing the coaches you know being open to new ideas and discussions um, and I say I I might get on the field and learn something from the coaches as well. So I don't want to be coming and saying, hey, you have to do this or that's not right, do this. Um, so I think I say in the, in the short term, that'll be kind of, you know, a little bit of learning from for everybody. Um, slightly longer term, obviously, stuff like the the game model or style or philosophy, that, how we're going to build that up from the grassroots all the way through the eights, nines, tens, all the way up to the top, what it'll look like. Um, it'll take a little bit of time, obviously, to move players up through that. Um, but there's definitely things we can do excuse me, immediately um, with the older age groups that will help implement that. Um, that's what we were trying to do um, at my last club was try and add that style of play in. Um, we were having a bit of success, but obviously kind of COVID de- derailed that a little bit. Um, and it, it kind of paused, paused the progression. Um, but I think that's something long term that if we can implement and we can make it maybe uniquely Brams, I think it's something that will also obviously drive and sell the club uh, in the area and in, in Ontario. Obviously, it's a, you know there is a niche there as a female-only club, but if it's a female-only club that has a distinct style and produces players that are you know, intelligent, technically gifted, um, you know, athletically, athletically talented as well, uh, I think it, you know, it, it really does sell, you know, sell the Brams vision. Um, and I think that's that's something that we'll look to put in long term uh, you know the coach education will help that so that'll obviously come in at some point as well um and yeah i think i think we'll kind of see where that goes and where that takes us i think that's a bit of a blueprint of how i'm going to start uh, nice. and look to look to move the club in that kind of direction and then say we'll see we'll see yeah. what happens after that so that's awesome yeah. i mean I, th- I was even gonna we touched on it briefly but obviously you know with with quarantine and sort of covid this has made it's it's impacted the game and not just soccer but sports in general. You know we've seen the bubbles. We've seen that mm-hmm. as at a, at a grassroots level or at a youth level. Um, you know neighborhood kind of club. Uh, you know we're seeing that it's it's changing a lot of our program. It's changing a lot of the way that our our players are developing and learning and training. 
Um, you know, what were your kind of initial thoughts on that? And how did you, uh, in, you know, in your previous position, but also the position that you're now coming into, uh, what were kind of some of your thoughts that were happening that this kind of, you know, this changing game, the game is always mm -hmm. changing, but it's changing now with, with, a, with a whole new style of distance and, and safety. So mm -hmm. um, I guess I kind of want to know, like, what was your take on that and yeah. how, uh, as obviously like a coach, but now also coming into director role, that's, it's going to change the players, it's going to change the leagues. It, like, what mm -hmm. are your thoughts on that? Uh, I think in general, like first and foremost, it was it was kind of an opportunity to to explore different avenues and try different things. Um, I think the online component's been big. I know uh, here at Brams, you were doing a lot of online stuff. Um, at my, my last club, we were doing the same. Um, you know, we would do online ball mastery sessions. We would do tactical stuff. Um, we would do, you know, even like silly social things. Like we had a bake off online and stuff like that. <laughs> That's so awesome. <laughs> it was it was it was interesting. Of course, you couldn't get to taste anything, but. Uh, that's perfect. It you just see it. You don't even taste it. No, it just <laughs> judged on uh, appearances. Um, so we did, you know, we tried a few different things. Um, it was a good opportunity to try and build some relationships with colleges and universities as well. Um, we had, I think we had about 14 different college coaches online presenting to OPDL programs. Uh, so that was, that was positive. Um, try and build some connections for players and obviously the club and the coaches. Um, we managed to get uh, one player did get a, uh, an offer, like a, a, a Canadian school from that, uh, just from that connection, which was brilliant. Um, you know, we hit, we've managed to connect some players with different schools as well from that. So it's, it was definitely a positive experience in that sense. Um, I think in terms of, you know, like just watching the games, um, obviously it's very different. You know, we're talking about the bubbles and the pro game. Uh, it is, it's different. Um, but I think it's a bit of a release for a lot of people just to have some soccer. Um you know, and be able to watch something, have a bit of normality, uh, even though if the players themselves maybe don't have that normality of what's going on and we can't be in the stadiums. But uh, I think it's, you know, it's, again, providing an opportunity for, for people at home to, to see soccer and be exposed to it. It's, you know, it was one of the, the first sports, like the NWSL was one of the first sports to come back and, and start playing. Um, you know, MLS obviously went to Orlando. Uh, in Europe, the, Germany were first ones back. Um, a lot of games on during the day. You know, it's a good opportunity for the players to watch watch the game and see it. Maybe that they, they wouldn't have otherwise. Um, so, I think there's definitely opportunities there. Um, obviously, we would all rather be on the pitch, and we would all rather that normality. But I'm hoping that you know, through through that kind of adversity, the players maybe took on the that kind of self drive to go out and practice. Yeah. Uh, and I know we saw it, especially with. Uh, on the female side at, at my last club, which was really positive, uh, was you know kids getting out and practicing and putting stuff online, and I think they'll they'll see the benefits from that. Hopefully, that's a, a good skill that they take on. Um, it kind of ties in with my coaching philosophy a little bit as well. Is that technical skills, like the base technical skills, can be practiced at home. So when they come to training, um, you know they can't. They, if you're at, if you're at home, sorry, it's very unlikely you're going to have stuff like opposition pressure playing games that kind of stuff um unless you have you know lots of brothers and sisters where you can play 11 v 11 in the back garden it's gonna be quite <laughs> tricky um so when they come to training that's kind of what they're gonna thrive off right is a social interaction playing games a bit of competition um so i think having that time where they've had to practice and be technical and be creative and go online and find um, some technical drills or do the ball mastery sessions uh, hopefully they take that on and keep doing that um because it's you know, it's key time to, to practice. I, I, in my mind, you can't... It's difficult to get where you want to go in soccer if you if you just do what everybody else is doing. Like, if you just come to training, well, everybody else is just going to training. Mm -hmm. So are you going to training and doing five hours of extra practice? Now you're five hours ahead that week. So 
the more stuff they can do at home, um, technical work, you know, practicing first touch, dribbling, ball control, it's all easy to do at home yeah. um, with a little bit of direction. So I think it's, um, yeah, it's, it was definitely an opportunity. Um, and I say hopefully there's some positive things that are taken forward from that. Um, and, you know, the, the players take it on board and, uh, you know, keep keep up that stuff off field because it's very important to to practice that kind of stuff so yeah absolutely mm-hmm. and i think it also created a, a new level of engagement right mm-hmm. like you said you have the players posting on their their social medias or they're posting uh you know what they're doing mm-hmm. a lot of clubs were kind of taking this opportunity to make challenges so that it, it keeps them motivated keeps them engaged in the game because like you said before sports returned you know what were they watching they weren't able to see anything yeah. and you kind of lose that you lose that connection to you know the game that you were really passionate mm-hmm. about so um i think yeah that it brought definitely a different type of uh engagement and kind of also level of um you know taking on like a self almost like an approach where it's you know you're putting on yourself and self-responsibility of yeah. you know if i'm not going to do it who's going to do it and mm-hmm. i can do it in my backyard but like you said you go to training and you only do training well that's all you're going to get right yeah. so I, I definitely agree with you i think you know it was obviously not a great uh you know kind of lockdown but mm-hmm. the, you know like you said there's certain things that came out of it that you're hoping that these players will now carry with them uh just as a as a kind of an element that the, you know they need to hold themselves to and yeah. so um, I, I think that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, well, we sport, we kind of talked about it when you were talking post-secondary mm-hmm. uh, and the player pathway is, you know, across Ontario, across soccer in general is typically you start from the bottom and you make your way to the top. Mm-hmm. What happens after that? And so, you know, you have post-secondary opportunities. You, you know, you go from post-secondary hoping to make it semi-pro, pro, mm-hmm. and then you become top of the, like, you know, top of the top. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's, it, to be frank, it's not, you don't see that every day. It's mm-hmm. not, you work really hard for that and, and you make it and that's amazing. It's incredible, but you know, there's a lot of times where you set out this pathway and you want to make it as achievable as you can for everybody. Mm-hmm. And so post-secondary is one of those one of those ways that you kind of, you know, steer your players into, whether it's competitive mm-hmm. or someone who starts recreational goes to competitive and makes it that way. Um, but obviously you've had a lot of experience in in the post-secondary realm of athletes and, and mm-hmm. players making it to uh, you know, colleges, universities, and and scholarships, and so on and so forth. So, yeah. um, I guess, did you want to touch a little bit about you know what you have done in the past, or what you kind of want to t- envision with some of our players, and how we can implement that across Brams? Yeah, sure. Um, I think uh, first and foremost, I my when I started coaching um, was at university in England. Um, so obviously, it's a little bit different to kind of your NCAA, your OUA sports OCAA. Um, but my like my first major experience of coaching was with a like women's university teams um so i've you know i've had a good a decent gauge of kind of what those players were about um you know the things that made uh you know them the players they were um obviously it's kind of different in the uk there's that kind of more cultural aspect of soccer um but yeah um since i've been in canada like it's been a lot of um you know conversations reaching out to coaches attending recruiting events um as i say getting on zoom speaking to people you know excuse me asking for their feedback how you know how can we best show the players um you know get them in front of the people they need to get in front of um i think with everything it's for me it's about creating opportunity um yeah creating as much opportunity as possible um whether that's through um things on zoom whether it's through recruiting events whether it's bringing coaches out i mean we were lucky at the last club we were able to get um coaches from three d1 schools out to the club to actual training sessions um you know connecting with them and finding out they're in the area and they're up here for provincials or this and the other, hey, do you want to come in and do a session or watch a session? Um, so we were lucky with that. Um, we got some very good feedback from coaches coming in. Um, 
but then ultimately like it's it's kind of on the players a little bit as well like we'll provide the opportunity and we'll you know we'll try and open the door but you have to walk through it like you have to put the work in you have to um, reach out to coaches you have to get your videos done you have to put the extra practice in you have to go and speak to people um, so I think from from that standpoint I, w- I would never say to anybody hey come to Brams because we're going to guarantee you're going to go to this school or you're going to yeah. do this well, I'll guarantee we'll open the doors and do everything we can for you but you have to put the work in and it's no surprise when the players that work the hardest get the most results from it. Um, you know, very rarely do you see players that uh, do the bare minimum, just go to training, you know, kind of 80% in training, don't really reach out to coaches, don't do video, all that kind of stuff. It's very rare that those players get picked up for top schools, top programs, mm-hmm. those opportunities. Um, so I say we, we, we're in a position where as coaching as, as, and as directors we can help them and we can open doors and we connect with people and we can speak to coaches and we can have coaches come and look at them. Uh, but ultimately, they've got to take that responsibility and say, this is what I want to do. You know, I need to practice this. I need to get better at that. Um, you know, I need to study. I need to make sure my, my grades are right. Um, and then from there, hope you hope that, you know, a little bit of luck, that they fall into the right opportunity to get seen at the right time. They connect with the right person when they're in their uh, recruiting cycle at the right time. Uh, and then you say, that's when you see players kind of move on and progress um i say the players that i've been working with the last few years um through through opdl that are looking at that pathway um i say the ones that work the hardest do most extra uh, the ones that are practicing uh, the ones that are reaching out to tons of coaches that are researching programs that are really good students they're the ones that are getting all the interest and the ones that are getting further mm-hmm. and it's it's not a surprise like yeah. i say my job is like if i've i've said to them if to any of the players uh uh, the team I'm coaching now if if you want me to reach out to school I'll do it if you want me to contact the coach it's not a problem I'll you know I'll even reach out to schools you don't know of if you tell me you know I, I want to go to a school in Florida mm-hmm. you know it's, it's quite easy to go on Google and figure out where the coaches are what programs they've got um, I don't mind putting that effort in if the players are putting the effort in yeah so it's 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 a give and take thing um, I say I don't, I don't want people to think that you know I can just sign up to this program and this is what I'm getting. Yeah. There's, like the end result isn't guaranteed. It's kind of like I say, it's the opportunity, and so I'm hoping with Brams that we can, we can provide that opportunity as much as possible. Yeah. Um, I think you know, schools know about Brams. They know the the history of the club. They know that it's uh, you know, a, a female focused club. So a lot of those female coaches uh, in female programs, sorry, know that it's a, a club that will produce players and will produce high level female players. Um, so it's just getting getting the players in front of the right people at the right time and opening those doors if we can. So I'm confident we can do that. Um, if it's if that's what the, the players want to do, the opportunities yeah. will be there for them. So. Yeah, and like you said, it's give and take. So as soon mm-hmm. as, you know, those players decide that that's the path they want to go on, um, you're providing them the opportunity that, you know, will link everything up. And so long as, you know, they pull their part as a player and you pull your part as a coach and also mm-hmm. as, a, you know, a recruit helping with the recruiting process, yeah. I think, like you said, we'll be able to provide those those opportunities yeah. and, and, and see them excel. And I think that's a very, a very good point. Yeah. And it's not to say that, you know, you have to want to go to college to come and play in this yeah. sort of program. You yeah. can just want to be as good a player as you can be. And that's not a problem. Absolutely. Um, but the fundamentals will still be there. You need to work hard. You need to train. You need to practice. You need to do the right things. Yeah. Um, but as I say, though, I know that is a big, um, a big direction or a big pull for a lot of female athletes. Is yeah. that that's post secondary? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's 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 an opportunity we can definitely provide. And I say it's, I think people get concerned and go, well, am I going to get this opportunity or am I going to get that? It's, it's not easy to get, to set that up, but it's definitely doable. Yeah. Um, I say it. It takes a little bit of time sometimes. It takes a little bit of putting yourself out there. Um, you know, it does. 
there's nothing to stop um, players from individually going to events. I'd, like I know there's a couple of, uh, of companies that have kind of come up in the last few years that have put on some really good recruiting events yeah. uh, in the GTA. Um, and players, you, know, you sign up as an individual and get seen by tens of coaches uh, from you know across Canada, from the US. It's not um, it's not exclusively team based. So there's lots of things that the the players can do. Um, but I say it's not to say that everyone in the team has to has to do that. We yeah. just you know we just want the kids to come in, work hard, enjoy it. You know, yeah. strive for the best they can do, and if that's what they want to do, we'll we'll help them do do yeah. what they want to do and get where they want to go. So. And I even think to that, that also speaks in, like like you said, you know, professional or post-secondary is not always what every player wants to do. Mm-hmm. And a lot of players also come in and say, hey, I want to I want to be a coach. Or they have yeah. a coach that impacts them and then turns into, that's what I want to be. Or I want to mm-hmm. have that impact on somebody too. So I think, you know, we talk a lot about competitive streaming into post-secondary and professional play. But there's also the idea of comp- competitive streaming into um, coaching and, and mentorship mm-hmm. and leadership. So I think that's even... Um, a big focus that we've also been starting to to look at, and like you like you mentioned with female having female mentors, female mm-hmm. coaches, um, you know we set our players if if they decide post secondary is not what they want, um, completely that's you know it's mm-hmm. it's a thing it's it's not it's not everybody's dream and that's yep. totally great but like you said you come in you you show up and you perform and you have a good time while you're doing it then you almost can kind of you know set up other opportunities like yeah. coaching and stuff like that so mm-hmm. I think yeah it's it's interest it's an interesting conversation it's an interesting topic because. Um, you know, sports and athletes in general, when you go competitive, a lot of it, whether it's boys, girls, men's, females, you go from competitive and everyone thinks that your result is professional. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's not so linear and it's, you know, you can do the post-secondary. You don't even have to, if you don't do post-secondary, you set yourself up. Like you said, mm-hmm. there's now external combines that they're doing, yeah. um, you know, and recruiting and stuff like that. So I think that the process of a competitive player going to where they want to be post, post, I guess, mm-hmm. grassroots or post yeah. Uh, you know, house league or your club team sort of thing. Um, it's not as linear as a lot of people might think. So I no. think setting up different opportunities for um, leadership, coaching, r- you know, recruiting, mm-hmm. and, and then a post secondary if that's the way that they want to go. But mm-hmm. I think it's it's great great to hear that it grasps not just the element of post secondary is your only result because yeah. it's true. Not a lot of people choose to go that way, but not a lot of people want also mm-hmm. to be in that kind of realm and and knowing that there's other opportunities and other positions that they can do to involve themselves still in the game, but yeah. also, you know, do something that they enjoy. So. It's also difficult as well. It's not, you yeah. know, not everybody gets, you know, the D1s and Absolutely. the free, free ri- full rides college. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's tricky. There's a lot of kids that want the same thing. Um, and I say it's, you know, you, you have to realize that I think it's, uh, I think the, the, the top D1 schools have got maybe like 14 scholarships they can give out on a roster, something like that. So it's very difficult if you're pitting yourself against all of Canada, all of the US and now, schools are going to Europe to look for players as well mm-hmm. that it's not you know nothing's guaranteed I say it's it's about those opportunities and if you put in the max work you can and put the time in and put the effort those opportunities and those doors get bigger and wider and wider um, I say it's not a guarantee that you'll be able to get through it but you know if you if you aim and you strive for that we, you know we're certainly going to help people uh, help the players uh, go in that direction if that's where they want to go but then like you say there might be players that want to go into coaching or they might you know, they hit 16, they want to start a job and start working, they don't have the time anymore to commit to that, or they originally wanted to go play in California, but all of a sudden, you know, like this pandemic's hit, maybe they want to stay in Canada now. So it's, mm-hmm. you know, things change and opportunities open and close and, um, you know, life gets in the way of things sometimes. I think it's uh, I think it's it's something to 
to always have in the back of the mind that there are, there are lots of other opportunities and avenues in, in soccer and sport, um, you know, that don't just necessarily lead to, you know, the NCAA D1 final. Um, it's, it's a great vehicle to take you into, you know, into careers, into working in soccer or working out of soccer and learning lessons about, you know, teamwork, leadership, those kind of things. So, um, you know, the, those athletes that, that work and push as hard as they can to pursue that, they will become successful in other areas as well. Um, you know whether that is post-secondary whether it's playing pro whether it's just in business in life in general um, I think having that drive and that desire to work towards something and understanding that things were not always under your control but you know you control what you can do uh, yeah. and you work towards that I think it's uh, you know those are the lessons that we we want every every player to kind of understand and grasp because it's you know, 100% of players going to come through the club are going to be members of society at the end of the day. Maybe 10% going to go and play collegiately, and maybe like 0.0 or whatever percent go and play pro. So everyone's a you know everyone's a citizen of of Brampton, of of Ontario, of Canada at some point. So it's uh, you know it's it's bigger than just soccer, uh, yeah. and I so said they don't have to you know that's not that doesn't have to be the be all and end all. So yeah. it's uh, you know so the opportunities are always there, but they're there for lots of other things, coaching work experience stuff like that so yeah and even yeah. in general as a player you know what you learn on the field and the the stuff that you take off of you know from a practice or from training not just from on a soccer level but it extends further than that and what you learn as a player you know as an athlete in general you take that and you take those skills post mm -hmm. anything that you do whether it's work business you know stuff like Absolutely. that those skills that you learn on the field are, are applicable in more than in ways than that mm -hmm. are more than just soccer so yeah. i think you're definitely you hit the nail on the head with that one but, um, okay, well, I think this kind of wraps up a great conversation. Perfect. Is there any, uh, you know, final closing thoughts you uh, want to leave us with? Any sort of exciting, uh, you know, dangle the carrot, see what's, you know, we're oh, excited for Can brain. we dangle the carrot? That's a good question. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I think, um, as I say, we're, we're it's going to be uh, a little bit of a, a learning curve for everyone and take a, take a few weeks to get settled in and see how things are working, how things are going. Um, obviously if you know anybody listening if you if you're a parent a player if you're at the field like do do come and say hello uh, I'm you know I'm fairly sociable I'd like to think so um, although I might might forget some names at times um, <laughs> meeting new people but yeah do do introduce yourself let's let's have a chat let's talk about what kind of things your your daughter wants to do and where she's at and you know get feedback and you know give me feedback on what things you think might need to change or what things you'd like to see um, you know I'm definitely open to the feedback and uh, you know working with people and working with parents and players to get their feedback on what they want to do and where we can do things better. Um, I think in the future we'll, we'll obviously we're hoping to or I'm hoping to really push that you know that female side of the game you know female coaches more female role models on the field um, you know whether that's the older players volunteering to start with whether it's you know paid professional coaches coming in um, you know there's some things in the pipeline that I don't want to spoil, but yeah, no. yeah, I'm just, I don't want to get myself in trouble before I even start. So I don't want to try and put too much information out there straight away. But yeah, I think there's some exciting things. I think it will be a, a good time for Brams. I think we'll, we'll move forward well. I think we'll come through this kind of, you know, this lockdown, this pandemic period, uh, stronger on the other side from it. I think the club is, uh, is set up to move, to move forward, uh, in a very positive direction. So very excited, looking forward to getting started and, uh, yeah, I'll see everybody, uh, on the field next week. So. 
Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks Thank for you. joining us for our, our second episode of Off the Pitch Power by Brands United. Um, Jordan, I, it was a great having a conversation with you today, and I'm excited to see you know the impact that you have on the field for our players and, of course, off the field. So thank Perfect. you. Thank you for today's conversation. Thanks for no joining problem. us, and um, I'm excited to see you on the field on Monday. Thanks. Yes, we'll see you on Monday.